Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, and I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. Dear 20-something started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful woman they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts we process internally, Dear 20-something is a space where listeners can hear insights, ask questions, and ultimately get advice from the woman they most admire. Today on the show, I am so excited to be chatting with Lavinia Erico. Lavinia is the visionary founder behind Equinox Fitness Clubs. She is a nationally acclaimed workplace and wellness entrepreneur and a speaker of essential truths on the subjects of value-driven entrepreneurship, developing next-generation leadership, the woman-led workplace, spiritual entrepreneurship, keeping the soul in success, the habits of success, building your brand, culture shifts, and joy in the hustle. A sought-after board member, consultant, and angel investor in diverse startup companies across a multitude of industries, Lavinia inspires and transforms individuals and organizations with her unique and often disruptive take on how to create a richer, more authentic, inspiring, and joyful career and life journey. I can't wait to chat with her and share her story with you now on Dear 20-something. Please welcome Lavinia Erico. Thank you so much for inviting me. I love um, I love being with young people and sharing my story, and hopefully there'll be one little thing that they can take away and, and have clarity on in their life. That's what inspires me. Well, I'm super excited to dive in. I do want to start, though, with a fun question. What is something new you learned this week? So it can be, you know, new business maybe you're excited about or a book you read, a fun fact you learned, conversation you had. It can be really anything, but something new that you learned this week. So I love that question. And I have to tell you, I learn every day. I learn amazing things because I really pride myself on remaining a student like really remaining a student of life. So I would say my big takeaway um, this week, and I say that because I've actually shared that with um, some family and friends and people I mentor, is that when something shows up in your life and you're not, you don't have clarity on it. It could be the way a friend behaved, the way a family member behaved, the way a coworker, something they did is to just take one moment, first of all, to not make it personal and to just in, in calmness, look at the person and say, I'm curious on why you did or said that. What was your intention of that? And what I've noticed and what I learned this week is that little question can create so much inner peace in you because we have a tendency to go all over the place in what did that mean? And that was a huge takeaway this week about just asking, just like going right to the source and just saying, hey, like, what what were you thinking? Like, wh- what was your intention of saying that or doing that was a real big one for me. I love that. Going right to the source and asking their intention versus just assuming. Erica, before we really start, what I love to do is for us all to connect together, just to ground us and, and take a few breaths. Would you be okay with that if we all together as a group just sort of did a little bit of breath work to connect to each other in a more authentic way? 
Sounds great. And that can be the one new thing we all learned this week too. Let's do it. Do you want to guide us? I would love to do that. So what we're going to do is we sit erect with our feet on the ground and with your spine as straight as possible. Your neck is straight. Don't have it up, tilted up or down, just directly on there. Put your hands right on your lap. And we're going to inhale through our nose for four counts. We're going to hold our breath for four counts. And then we're going to exhale through our nose for five counts. Okay. What I like to do is when we inhale, inhale love. And you hold your breath. And I like to smile when we hold the breath. And then exhale joy. Okay. So we're going to start. Let's go. Deep breath in. Inhale four counts. Hold your breath and smile for four counts. Exhale through your nose for five counts, joy. What a great way to start today's conversation. Thank you so much. And we've all just learned a great breathwork practice. All right, so we're going to take it back to the very beginning. I'd love to know, what did you want to be when you were younger? What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I think, first of all, I... I initially I wanted to be a ballerina and then a gymnast. Of course, the first time I watched the Olympics, it was like, oh, God, I'm going to be a, a gymnast. I think I even threw in a, a swimmer in there, um, even though I was not a great swimmer at all. I was just so inspired by these athletes. Um, I didn't, I mean, for a while there, I wanted to be an actress. I even went to the University of Southern California and majored in theater arts. Um, I was a dancer my whole life. I started very young dancing at four. And I believe that dancing actually gave me an amazing sense of discipline. So I believe it's something that has been incredibly valuable my entire life. I always knew movement, connecting with my body would be something that I would always do. I never saw myself really sitting behind a desk. I think it was just natural that I would go into the fitness industry. Like now when I look back, I I see that, I, of course, there were some detours in other businesses, which I think was also amazing because it allowed me to learn business before I actually created the business, but my heart, my heart and my soul was definitely always it. What I loved was movement. I love dance. I love music. I love people. I love being together with groups of people. When I look back and all the things that made me feel so filled with joy and happiness was my happy place. It was that. So it made sense that one day um, my brothers and I would create um, a a place, a community that was built all around those aspects. Yeah, you're right. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Looking back, it all makes sense. I know you had a lot of passions for dance and movement and creativity in that way when you were younger, but did you ever think that you were going to be an entrepreneur? Were there any early signs that you were drawn to business? Yeah, I mean, it was that's interesting because in those days, we didn't even know the word entrepreneur. My dad owned delis. And he had about six or seven deli, delis in New York City. And when we didn't have school, 
you know, for winter break, spring break, if we didn't go away, and we usually went on one big family vacation, either winter break or spring break. And the other vacation, myself and my two brothers, because we were the three eldest, we would go to work with my dad. And the truth was, I would get butterflies in my stomach before I went to work with him. I loved being in his stores. I loved being with the people. I liked working the cash register. I prided myself being able to work the cash register at about eight years old, even when my grandmother did not like the idea that this little eight-year-old was giving change. But I loved the whole energy of it. I liked serving. I liked the whole customer service. So I would say that working in my dad's store made me very entrepreneurial. And of course, I didn't know it that. How awesome. And it sounds like you got an early taste of working with your siblings as well. I know you ultimately started Equinox with them. Did you enjoy working together when you were younger? And did that have anything to do with you all starting a company together down the line? Um, yeah, I think we, I mean, we're brothers and sisters. So of course, we had our share of fights like any brothers and sisters and being we were so close in age. I mean, I have a twin brother and then my brother Danny was a year younger. Um, so uh, yeah, but you know, working together with my brothers was actually really, really magical. Um, and I talk a lot about this, and it's probably one of the reasons why I very rarely will ever fund a brand where there's one founder, because I really understand the scope of everything that needs to happen in order for there to be real magic. So like, for instance, my one brother, Danny, like he understood finance Unbelievably. He knew, you know, the whole real estate game, how to get really how to acquire, how to get the amazing space and locations in New York City. Many of those buildings, you know, we went on to to purchase them. That was all him. You know, he knew how to raise the money. I mean, then my other brother was amazing with designing the, the spaces and you know, working with the architects and really creating the most, I mean, that's one of the things that people always say, the first thing they say about Equinox is, oh my gosh, they're so beautiful. Um, I mean, of course we crossed over in other areas. Uh, It wasn't like they just did that and that and I did all the rest, heavens no, but working the customer experience I worked on and and the fitness end of it, a lot of it was creating amazing fitness programs. And then, of course, we went into wellness programs. And and so it was really the magic and the expertise and what I call the lane. Like we each had this lane that we were just so good at. And then it just happened to be that each of our expertise and lanes, when you put it together, it really was like one in one created 11 for us in our business. So it was really a powerful, very powerful situation for us creating Equinox. I love that. And you know better than anyone that it takes time. It takes your 20s to figure out what your lane is and what you're good at and how you can best contribute to a team. So I'm going to take it back to just before your 20s. Where did you go to college and what did you major in and how did you like it? Well, first of all, my first year in college, I went to Ohio University Um, And there I was undeclared. I was just taking all of my um, prereqs that you have to take for college. But I, after being a year 
at Ohio, I knew, and me coming from the East Coast in New Jersey, I knew I didn't, I could not see myself at OU for another four years. And, and truth is, I wanted to go to USC right out of high school, but I don't think my parents were ready for me to make that 3,000 mile leap. So after the first year, then I was able to transfer. I convinced my parents, please send me to the University of Southern California. And that's where I was a theater major. And I loved it because it allowed me to do all the things that I love to do. And that is where I started actually connecting more to, I had already been exercising way before that. I mean, I, I started exercising young through dance, but there I started actually teaching. I started a, this is where my entrepreneur came in. I started a, a program. I actually got a little area that was just an open space. And I was, was able to get that space and, um, offer classes. And I basically made flyers and I went to all the sororities and I put out flyers saying that there were going to be classes here in this atrium on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4.30 to 6. And it was donation only. And I think the first day I had like eight students. Then the next Thursday I had 16. And before you knew it, I had about 50 and 60 girls in there and we were all doing what in that, in that time was basically the Jane Fonda workout because I literally went to Jane Fonda and I learned that class and I basically taught it. And I had my little boom box and most of the girls, it was donation. I, I mean, there were days where I walked out of there with like three and $400. Good for you. That's so entrepreneurial to be doing that in college. Did you ever think that you would turn it into an actual business or did you always want to just keep it donation-based and like a small fun project on the side? I don't know. Oh, I know because I think I didn't rent the space. They were giving me the space and I believe they told me it had to be a part of the deal was it had to be on a donation. So yeah, I did that for a while. And then there was a local gym that opened up and he had heard about me. And then he came and he said, if you bring all your members there. And so here I was negotiating like 21 years old with this gym owner about bringing my members. I don't, I don't even think of them as members, you know, they were just my community. So then I went there two days a week and taught there and working out was just part it, at a young age. It was part of what I love to do, how I love to express myself. And to this day, I mean, I still teach a Zoom class Monday, Wednesday, Friday for free for people because at the end of the day, what I love the most is to help people love moving their body because I believe movement is medicine. That's incredible. And that Zoom class sounds pretty fun. That's awesome that you still do that. And it sounds like it has been your life's purpose since even before you started Equinox. And you're still doing it now, even after. So clearly it's something that means so much to you. That's when you know you're in your lane. People t ask me all the time, like, when are you going to retire? When are you going to retire? And like, when I'm dead. Because this is what keeps me alive and relevant and connecting. So it's like when you do something and you're really passionate about it, nine times out of 10, you're really good at it. That's a great point. But a lot of the times when you graduate college, you have to pay the bills. And so you don't always get the luxury of picking the job that you're most passionate about. So when you graduated college, what was that first big job for you? And how did you find it? So I remember 
my mom came to my graduation and we're sitting at dinner at Lowry's on La Cienega Boulevard. And she says, I have the good news and bad news. What would you like first? And I was like, the good news. She goes, the good news is I'm going to pay your car insurance and your health insurance for the next two years. I said, and the bad news, the bad news is that's it. She said, so if you want to stay here in LA, you're going to have to figure out how to pay the bills. And, you know, at 22 years old, I really hadn't given it much thought. And I don't know why. Maybe I thought my parents were going to, like, at least pay my rent for six months or something. But, you know, truth is, like, I come from a big family and they still had a lot of, you know, the younger kids that were in college or soon to be going to college. So at that moment, I thought, okay, what am I going to do? I went to Bullock's, which was a big, you know, like Bloomingdale's, big department store, because I thought, I remember I had been in, I remember seeing help wanted signs there. So I went in there, I got a job quickly. And then about three months into that job, and I have to be honest, I really did not like it. I'm not really like a clothes person, to be truthful. Like I let my sister style me all through Equinox because I really did not enjoy shopping at the time. So I was in there at the Judith Lieber counter, which I'm sure most of these young people won't even know what this is, but there are these extremely luxurious, beautiful handbags. And I'm behind this Judith Lieber counter with these, at that time, like $2,500 handbags, which of course, when you're 22, $2,200 for a little handbag just seems ludicrous. And this other girl walks by and she's eating like a frozen yogurt. And I go, wow, that looks so good. And with a really strong New York accent, she's like, it is. And she goes, what are you doing? Why are you working here? She goes, are you an actress? I said, yeah. She goes, why don't you come to work at Carlos and Charlie's? Carlos and Charlie's was a private nightclub. She said, my aunt or uncle or somebody owns it and I can get you a job there. I went up, I got a job. The whole time, all I kept thinking about is, okay, this is a nightclub. What do they wear? Because I'm thinking there is no way I'm going to be walking around in these slinky little clothes or my Italian father would disown me. And then they told me you wear tuxedo pants and a tuxedo shirt. I was like, I'll take the job. Anyway, I started working there two nights a week. And you know what? We made so much money there. Like it was crazy. We worked from literally quarter to 10 to quarter to two, two nights a week. And I walked out of there with like six, $700 a night then. Unbelievable. So you were just doing that at the time, right? You had left the department store and you were able to just sustain yourself on a couple nights a week? That was my, like, that was the money to make money while I was pursuing an acting because I was going on auditions all day and I was doing all different, you know, things like that for my career. But you need, like you say, you need to pay your rent. So I did that for a little while. And then my cousin was on a TV show and he had said, Hey, Levin, he had an assistant, but she couldn't work one day. He's like, hey, like the guy's coming to do to fix the dishwasher or something. He'll be there between eight and 12. Would you mind just hanging out at my house? I'll pay you a little money. I was like, sure. No problem. Did that. And then another one of his friends asked me to do it. And I did that. And then I realized, oh, my God, like I can create a business out of this. So I actually created a business. It was called Express Errand Service. And our slogan was, for those in LA that need 28 hours in a day. 
I love that. That definitely resonates for sure. I literally hired five beautiful actresses. Everybody had their own car. I got everybody fingerprinted and did all this stuff. And then we just, yeah, and I started, I built a nice little business with that. So at that point in your 20s, were you able to generate enough passive income from that business that you could just focus solely on your acting? And was that the intention of even creating the business to be able to focus so much on what you wanted to really be doing? Yeah, you know, for me with acting, though, if I was to be really transparent, as soon as I started getting paid or going on those kind of auditions, I just realized it wasn't my deal. I love doing theater and I love doing all the plays in school and I love doing summer stock. But once it got out into like that feeling of Hollywood, it didn't feel good in my heart. And that was like a hard pill to swallow, to be honest, because I had sort of declared myself an actress since I was about, you know, nine years old. I like 23. I was like, you know what? I just, I wasn't feeling it. I had worked on fame a little bit, that TV show. And then this other TV show, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, and worked on a couple other TV shows. And I just thought, you know, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I just didn't feel that same sense of connection and joy. Everything felt very cutthroat. Nobody really felt like everybody worked together. It just didn't have, like when you do a play, oh my God, by the end of the play, you know, everybody's in love with each other and you're so sad when it ends. And I don't know, I just didn't feel that in my heart. So that was like my realization that, okay, I'm going to have to pivot here. Because I just didn't feel that that was really what I was supposed to do with the rest of my life. At about 24, 25 years old, I went back to New York City. And then I went actually after that. And I thought, oh, I'll get my real estate license. Because that just seemed like what everybody did when they were lost. And I went and I got my real estate license. And I got hired in this like amazing area of New Jersey and one of the wealthiest areas. And I went in my first caravan and I got home and I said to my mom, like, oh no, this is not for me. I can't sit around talking about moldings and toilets and curtains and rugs. Like I'm like, it's, there's nothing about this that is filling me with joy. And then a girlfriend of mine at the time was working for Lancome. She was um, in a coordinator consultant, like the executive program. Lancome Cosmetics. And the next thing I know, I'm sort of in there helping her. And then I go through product training. And then the next thing I know, I'm in the whole sort of executive program with them. That's incredible. I have to say, I was that I did that for a couple of years and I loved it. I loved it. But that was also because I was able to sort of carve out like my own way of fitting in. And that, like, this is another thing I tell young people. You must do sales. Sales are very important to really learn the art of selling and how to really connect with your passion and how to listen to other people. And sales is really important. I don't care if you're a healer, if you're a doctor, what you do. When you know how to touch, move, and inspire people 
and then be able to share with them and, and offer them something that you know is going to make their life better and you can close. There's something so empowering in business in that. So knowing how to get a cash register ringing or sales is really important, I believe, for a great training ground for for young people. Definitely. And it sounds like that's a through line through a lot of your 20s. You were selling, 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 whether it was clothes at a department store or real estate or at Lancome. Do you think it's important to be passionate about what you're selling or just learning the skill of sales in general? Because I think a lot of the times when you're in your 20s, maybe you're selling fax machines or index funds or something that maybe you're not super passionate about. But like we said earlier, it pays the bills and you're learning the art of sales. I, I do. I do believe that. However, there are people that I know that are so passionate about selling that they can actually sell anything. I don't think I was one of those people, um, but I do know quite a few people that actually love selling fax machines or did when they were around, you know, like they loved selling, you know, copy machines. And and I, I don't think it was just about the machine. It was the whole experience of it. I do think it's a skill. And I know for me, when I love something, I can, if, if when I love something, I can sell ice to an Eskimo. It doesn't matter if I'm, if I love it, and I can see how it really, you know, impacts your life or changes your life or it's something that's really good for you. I'm so passionate about it and, and I'm well informed that, that I'm giving you such good information that you're like, okay, I have to try yours. Even though I may have 500 pounds of it, somehow yours is better than what I already have, <laughs> you know. That's not easy to do for sure. So it sounds like one of the through lines you've been talking about is how most of the jobs you had in your 20s were recommended from a friend or like that woman in the department store who thought you could be a good fit, which I would say is kind of an untraditional way of getting jobs versus going right through recruiters. What is your recommendation for people in their 20s to network with people and help them help you get the next best role? First of all, I believe that your attitude is such I would walk in and I don't care what I was doing. I, I didn't clean toilets, but if I was cleaning toilets, I would have went in there with the best attitude. And I, that's one of the things that I see quite often is that like, sometimes I'll be somewhere and I'm thinking like, gosh, like that person looks like they are just, they just want to slit their wrist behind that counter. But you never know. I got offered jobs, no matter what job I was working, somebody always offered me a job. Even when I was working at my own company, I had a, a headhunter come in who a huge headhunter at Equinox. And he's like, oh my God, I have to introduce you to Donna Karen and her husband. They're launching a fragrance. You would be so great to, and I'm like, this is my company. But they're like, but you're the perfect person. I'm like, but this is my company. I mean, so, so much is attitude. When you walk into a room and you're just number one confident, I think it's also about being confident and humble. When you, like people will meet me and they're like, oh my God, you're the most down to earth person, Lavinia. I would have expected you to be more intimidating. It's like, why? You want to be relatable. And that's how it was my whole life. When you walk in and you're 
you're confident in your own skin, you're you're showing up the best version of yourself, your thoughts, your words, your actions, your behavior, your attitude, everything is like leaning in positive, humble, confident. Like people feel that and they want that around. Like they want to be around people like that. And when you're that person, I mean, magic really does happen. And you have to sometimes work on it because, you know, like some of the girls I... I mentor like by nature, they're moody. They're just moody. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I was never a moody person. Like even as a little kid, I never, I was never that person that woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I always woke up happy. Like I woke up ready to take the world on. I woke up ready to just feel good, you know, and that's a mindset and it's an attitude. And I wish somebody would actually teach that in school. Because I think that is really, really, really like a superpower for people. Because half of the time I see these people, they graduated first in their class, they're bright, they have their masters, but their attitude and energy is so flat that I don't even want to be around them. That makes sense. And having the right mindset is everything. And I think it just takes time. You know, when you're in your 20s and you're just getting started, you may not have that much confidence and a lot of humility. And then once you start to achieve big things, you got to be careful not to get too much confidence. But in your 20s, you keep doing things that build that confidence. I tell my the girls that I work with, get up every morning, do this breath work and do this 20 minute workout. Just constantly doing that, having that discipline, then before you know it, you feel good. It's like, great. And then drink a little bit of this water, drink a little bit of hot water, put a little lemon, get your body flushing. You know, the confidence doesn't just come from like doing important stuff. The confidence slowly comes by doing like small things every day that you keep doing. You you make a plan and you work your plan. When you do that, that starts building confidence, you know, but where you're like, okay, I got this. Like inner strength is really important, really, really important. And you don't just go do that by just high achievement. It's it's little things that you say you're going to do and you do. And then you have a little bit of mastery and then that makes you feel good. And then you have a little bit more mastery and that makes you feel better. And then, you know, it's a it's a slow build. Yeah, and I love the idea too that you can create those small wins in your personal life, whether it's breath work or movement or hydration. Like you said, it doesn't have to be tied exactly to your professional life. I think that's such a great takeaway too. So I'm wrapping up on my last question. I could talk to you for hours, but I want to be mindful of the audience who does have questions. So the final question, I know you've shared so many gems of advice for 20-somethings, but if you could give one piece of advice to every 20-something in the world, what would that advice be? Okay, so the one piece of advice I would give you is to go and do a little bit of inner work, meaning because I see this all the time and also because we're dealing with an epidemic right now of people having anxiety, low-grade depression. I believe a lot of this is, and especially in the teens and 20s, um, that's really where the epidemic numbers are off the chart. And I believe that is because young people don't really know who they are. Because we've been brought up 
you know, from the time we're born, we're given a name. We don't even have anything to say about what we're going to be called the rest of our life. You know, like everything we become is everything our parents told us. We learn things like I have a, a young woman that I'm working with now and she definitely loved art and she loved music and she loved, you know, she definitely is more of that creative. However, she got all her accolades, got all her praises by her science grades and her math grades and her English literature grades. And and before she knew it, she sort of pivoted away from art and music and things, a poetry that really filled her heart and went into this much more intellectual brain and then, you know, went to Brown, graduated Brown, and she doesn't know who she is. She's having a lot of anxiety. And I see this time and time again, and that would be like, go back, do a little bit of work and really connect to, before you embark on a journey, like really get clarity on what really makes you happy and try to remember the things that made you happy at five and six and seven and 10. Because so often those were the times when we started pivoting away from our soul into pleasing parents, society, teachers. And it's very hard, I believe, to have really huge successes when you're never really connected to who you are authentically and you're only connecting to the praises and expectations from your family of origin. Wow. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And it's so interesting to hear you're seeing it now with a lot of the people you're working with. And you know, it can sometimes be a struggle to figure out your lane, to figure out who you are. But I love this idea that if you do the inner work, you can find clarity. When you say do the inner work, do you have any specific practices that you recommend? Is it sitting down and reflecting in a journal? Is it talking to loved ones about what they see in you? Is it maybe even going to therapy? But do you have any specific practices that you recommend a 20-something does to figure it out? I have this Joy in the Journey journal. If you guys go on to LaviniaErico.com, you can be downloaded from there. And we've put together, I've worked with a couple of amazing um, therapists and life coaches to really come up with um some really good reflecting questions that you could dive into. Very self-explanatory. I've had people tell me from 13 to 88 that they wish they would have done this. It would have saved them lots of <laughs> therapy and lots of heartache and a lot of a less you know suffering if they would have gone through this deep dive in this journal. Of, and it's just about connecting to yourself. So I, I offer that up to your community. Thank you so much. And we will definitely be attaching that in our show notes. As I know, probably a lot of us will want to be doing that right after this conversation. So thank you. So now we're going to switch gears a bit. It's time for the Q&A portion of our show. As a reminder, we'll be taking a few questions from the audience. Danny, come on up. Okay, well, first off, thanks for letting me ask a question. It's been lovely to hear your story, Lavinia. Um, I really admire it. So I'm a 20-something, and I'm curious about, I too, I actually danced my whole life as a ballet dancer. Now I'm in medical school, so definitely pivoted, because there was a point where I thought, oh, maybe I could dance professionally, and then I realized that I wanted to do something more academic. Do you believe that you have to incorporate that like creative and artistic part of yourself into your work, or do you think that you can be satisfied with your work by having that creative outlet outside of work? 
Like, do you think that people who are creative have to do something creative with work or they, it's totally fine for them to keep it as like a creative outlet outside of work? So I'm going to tell you, when you're creative, you're creative and you're creative in everything you do. So it really, when you're like, when you're present to it, like you're going to be creative in the way you build your practice. You're going to be creative. Like you're going to see things differently as a creative person when you're even meeting with a patient. So it, the, the truth of it is creativity isn't just like because of art, music, dance, poetry. It's, but that's what's so great about it is that creativity is the way you build conversations. Like I, I go to this amazing chiropractor doctor. Man, he is the most creative person I know just by the way he sees his, his patients and by the way he treats us. And it's so innovative. So I believe when you're creative, every single thing you will do will have that level. Like when people come to my house and they sit at my table, they're like, oh my God, I love the way you do your table. Like, because everything I do has that creative aspect of it because that's who I am. And that's why I want people to understand, to know who you are, because once you know who you are and you've expanded yourself like that, then you will bring that to every single aspect of your life. And that's where the magic really is, Danny. That's great advice, Lavinia. And great question, Danny. All right, we'll take our next question. C, come on up. So I was hoping that you could comment on how you built your risk muscle. You know, because some of the things you've done have taken a lot of risk. Did you feel like you were a conservative person or a risk-taking person? And how did you adjust along the way? So I'm going to tell you, I believe that I was a much bigger risk-taker when I was young than I am than I am now. When I was young, I don't, I, like, it's kind of funny because when I look at the things that I would say, oh, I can do that, I'm thinking like, wow, I really just was confident. Like sometimes I even get surprised. So I think when I was young, I was, I don't know, I had this like, this deep faith that the universe is set up to provide in a positive way. I didn't have that fear. Like I remember my dad walking into my office and we were buying the building at, at 8, 895 Broadway. And my father comes in and he says, okay, Lavinia, I do not want you to personally guarantee on that building. You're not personally guaranteeing on that building. And I think I was about 33, 34. And I just looked at him and he's like, your brother's going to tell you it's okay, but I'm telling you, I'm really worried that if you personally guarantee and you can't afford the building and you're going to lose everything. And I was like, okay, dad, I hear you. I hear you. And, you know, when it came time to sign, I just personally guaranteed. It, I didn't have that. We all did, the three of us, we just did it. And, you know, truth be told, you know, in a very short amount of time, that building was worth a ridiculous amount of money. So when I was younger, we just dove in. Definitely. And do you feel like that risk-taking muscle has faded over time? Now I'm much more conservative. Like even right now, I'm, the way I make investments, I put together a team of right now and we're doing serious angel investing. 
you know, 20 years ago, I angel invest, come sit down, have a cup of coffee. And I was writing you a check. <laughs> like there was like no due diligence. If I liked you, I liked your concept. Here's the money today. I have, oh my God, I have, have a, a whole procedure. We do our due diligence up the kazoo. I don't know. Maybe I'm older, I'm wiser, but, or maybe there's another part of me that's going, God, you know, like you just have to trust, go back to when you were 30, you just trusted. Like I, I keep saying, oh my gosh, I want a little more of what I had at 30 years old. So maybe that is one of the superpowers of being in your 20s is you have that naivety. Like even if your dad gives you advice on to do something, you're still going to do it anyway. <laughs> All right, we have time for one more question. Lindsay, come on up. Hi, um, I loved this talk so much. I learned so much. So thank you for joining and speaking. Um, my question is, it sounds like you had a lot of interest, too, in avenues that you tried out. So what would your advice be to someone who has a lot of different interests and, like, different ways they can apply their interests to different career paths and which they should do? I mean, the beauty now is that you can internship. Like, these internships are so valuable. Like, we didn't really have these internships that you guys have now. So, you know, really kind of like narrow it down. And, you know, it's interesting. Don't just think about the brand or the product. Think about like all the aspects of it. Today, I think like I could have done great in the hotel business. I could have done great in experimental marketing business. Like, because for me, I knew it had to have people and connection to human beings and experiences. Those were the things that really lit me up. So think about really hone it down on what are the things that you really, that fills your heart, like that makes you feel like this is, I'm in my happy place. I also know that I love to help people. I remember whenever I would go to a psychic or a card reader, they'd say to me, you should be a teacher. You should be a teacher. You're a teacher. And I realized that I am a teacher. Like I love to teach. I love to help. I don't never did it in a traditional teaching way, like a school teacher. And those were the things, people teaching, helping, serving. I loved experiences. I liked energy. I liked music. When I look back now, there were so many different ways that I could have gone in so many different directions that I didn't even think about when I was younger. And try, I would say try things, like try a lot of different things, especially, you know, the first seven years out of college, you have your day job, you should have a side hustle, you should have something else that you're doing to just exposes you to, to, to more things and people and energies and the way stuff works and how you connect the dots. and you know, go to different conventions and summits and meet people and, and then identify like somebody that you really want to learn from and say, Hey, like, how can I help you? Is there any way that I can come and help you and serve you or do something so that I can learn from you? I hate when people say to me, Hey, Lavinia, can I just come and pick your brain? When a young person says, Hey, Lavinia, if this project you're doing, I will come, I will help on weekends. You know, then it's like all of a sudden you're looking at that young person, you're taking them seriously because they realize like spending hours with somebody like me, like that's invaluable to you. Like start identifying those people that you can be around that you're going to really say like, 
being around them, seeing the way they think, the way they connect the dots, the way they organize stuff, how they collaborate, their thought process on stuff like that is invaluable, like information. That's a great reminder for sure that outside of your nine to five, you can do so many side hustles. You can do the outreach to the people you admire and help them with projects. And maybe it's even just joining a show like this one on a Tuesday night and asking someone like you for advice. So thank you again for coming on the show. It's been so wonderful chatting with you. Could you please tell everyone where they can find you on social media? And then, of course, we'll be sharing that journal recommendation in our show notes. So um, on IG, it's Lavinia Joy. We really put a lot of great information on there. Some of our avatars are definitely young entrepreneurs. So I think, and, and we're kind of like changing that around a little. So I think you'll see that. And of course, LaviniaErico.com is a website. And we also do an amazing show on, uh, it's a FaceTime Live, but it lives on my website. And I've interviewed some of the most amazing, amazing humans, really beautiful human beings in all aspects, from entrepreneurs to doctors to healers to thought leaders. So I think there's a lot of amazing wisdom in, in some of those um, podcasts. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to connect with young people that are doing really amazing things in their life. So thank you. Thank you. It's been such an honor to have you on the show. And I'll speak for everyone when I say that there have been so many gems from tonight. So I really do appreciate it. If you enjoyed this conversation, please give us a follow over at Dear 20 something on Instagram and subscribe, rate and review anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks again, Lavinia. Have a good night, everyone.